Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. I have began a teaching entitled Greatness in Every Believer. And um, last Sunday, we've covered the definition of true greatness from God's perspective. We've also dealt with the essence of greatness, as well as finding our own voice of authority and calling in God and what He has destined us to do while here on earth. And tonight, we will proceed with the process, the process that God takes us through in order to release His greatness and His treasure within us. As you know, the height and majesty of any building is determined by its foundation. The taller the building, the deeper and the stronger the foundation needs to be. And even though John the Baptist, as we've read last Sunday, was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb, he still needed to submit to God's process of growth and development before he became great. He wasn't born great. The Bible says he became great through the process that God had taken him through. John the Baptist's preparation, according to the Scriptures, was done in the desert. He was raised in the desert, there alone with God, fellowshipping with God, studying the Word, seeking God's face uh, in regard to his calling and ministry. And John the Baptist, he was willing to remain in hiddenness in the desert until God finally prepared and equipped him for greatness. That's when he stepped out in order to fulfill the call that God placed on his life. One could say that the deserts is the school from which every believer must graduate before he or she can move into fulfilling the divine purpose God placed on our lives. The process of preparation is vitally important, yet few realize it, and they rush it, and as a result, only few graduate from the process that God takes them through. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36 says, For you have need of endurance, Another translation says, you have need of patience, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Many try to rush this process, and they run ahead of God, only to find themselves or to be met with disappointment and failure. I believe that if we want to achieve greatness in the sight of the Lord, we must submit to the process 
that God takes us through, however long it takes, because it takes more than just physical, mental, or emotional strength to fulfill our God-given task. It will require primarily spiritual strength and fortitude. You see, when you step into the will of God, into the center of God's will, all hell will break loose against you in order to frustrate you, to stop you, to distract you from fulfilling what God has called you to do. So, in order to do that, God takes us through or into the deserts. The deserts are hard and difficult places. They are places of discipline. The desert represents discipline. They are places of learning to obey God, learning to deny our selfish desires and to discern the voice of the Lord from every other voice that comes at us. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 2 through 6, God explains to the children of Israel why He took them through the desert into the promised land. Into the promised land. That was a, a journey that could have taken much shorter, probably a month. Yet God chose to lead them through the desert, and there was a purpose for that. We read in Deuteronomy chapter 8, beginning with verse 2, God speaking to his people, saying, And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these forty years in the wilderness to humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you and allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Your garments did not weigh out on you, nor did your foot swell these forty years. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. The word chasten means to inflict suffering upon for purposes of moral improvement. That's what chastening means. Another word for chastening is the word discipline, where we get the word disciple from. Hebrews Chapter 12 reveals to us the same principle that we just read. Beginning with verse 2, the scripture says, My son, this is the Lord speaking to his family, to his children, to his sons and daughters. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. The tendency is always there in the temptation to get discouraged and lose heart when we are being disciplined by the Lord. And I go on reading, For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and scourges every son whom he receives. 
If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening or without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of Spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. According to the Word of God, well, what we just read, God takes every child of His through a process of discipline or chastisement, if you like, for the purposes of maturing them. Moses was disciplined and prepared in the desert for 40 long years before he was ready to step into what God called him to do. Joshua was trained and equipped in the desert alongside with Moses for 40 years. The children of Israel, after their exodus from Egypt, they went into the desert with Moses and there they experienced the discipline of the Lord as they were being prepared for the promised land. Well, sadly, most of them died in the desert without ever entering the promise of God because they failed their training and the process God put them through for the development of the character. They always rebelled. They always grumbled, then they complained, and they had never come to a place of maturing in their way of seeing things or understanding the dealings and the ways of God. Scripture says John became great. That's John the Baptist. He was not born great, but he became great through the process the Lord put him through. You see here, the secret of development is process. The secret is through discipline, development of character, maturity, through discipline by being mentored by God through His Word and by His Spirit, as well as by those whom God appointed in your life to train, to equip, and to develop you. Those are what I call the spiritual mentors or the spiritual fathers, the coaches, if you will. Look at the great athletes, for example, who win medals and achieve greatness in the sphere of calling and in their gifting. They all have competent coaches and they submit to the discipline and to the training they give them. Is that right? Of course. You don't win medals 
by doing your own thing if you're an athlete and you want to go to the Olympic Games. Uh, you, you, you don't do whatever you think is best. You have a coach and that coach is, is, is programmed or is given to you for the purpose of training you and developing you in order for you to receive or to achieve greatness and excellence in your sphere of gifting. So, and you submit to that process of becoming great. The same with the Lord. Joseph matured by the things that he suffered. Remember the suffering that Joseph went through, betrayed by his own brothers, sold into slavery, falsely accused, thrown into prison. He didn't do anything wrong simply because he he, he wanted to do the right thing. We see here Joseph successfully submitted to the process in order to qualify for what God prepared for him. The Word sums it up beautifully concerning Joseph in the book of Psalms 105 and verse 19. The Word says concerning Joseph until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him or disciplined him. Or one could say the word of the Lord chastised him. The process God takes us through, first of all, requires faith and patience on our part in order to make peace with it and not rebel against it. There are many children of God, I believe through ignorance, that they rebel against the hand of the Lord that endeavors to discipline or to chastise them in order to make them partakers of His holiness. They think it's the devil after them. So they rebuke the devil, and no matter how much you rebuke, if it's God that is after you, disciplining you, you're not going to succeed in your rebuking. All you need to do is humble yourself and submit to the process or to the discipline God is taking you through. So we need not to be discouraged by it. And from our part, when God takes us through these difficult times, we need to trust Him, even though we don't understand everything. That's why the Scripture says, Trust the Lord with all of your heart, and do what? Do not lean unto your own understanding. Many times we don't understand everything that God is doing, but we can trust Him that even though we don't understand everything, we can trust that God has the best interests in His heart for our lives, for our families, for our welfare. So the test facing us may be challenging, may be severe, but God promises us in His Word, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, that He would not allow us to be tempted above our ability to bear. But he said, with the trial, or with the test, or with the challenge, God would always make a way of escape so that we may be able to bear it or to endure the chastening. Let me say this, God knows your breaking point. 
and he's not going to take you beyond that. The pressures we experience, the trials we face, we need to understand that they have one goal in mind, and that is to bring us to the end of ourselves, to the end of our own reliance, relying on our own wisdom, relying on our own strength, and that is what God is after. They are designed to humble us. Pride is in all of us, and even the very best of us. And pride is the sin that can so easily hide in a person. It's not easily detected, but God knows our hearts. God knows our motives. And remember this, God does not look on the outside appearance, on the outward appearance. God is more interested in the development of our character rather than the production of our comfort. That's why he takes us into the deserts in order to humble us, as we've just read in the book of Deuteronomy. Remember what we said at the beginning of this teaching, that in order for this treasure that God has deposited within us, in order for this treasure to find release and expression, the outward man, the flesh, needs to be humbled and broken. And this is what God does through the process he takes us through. The greater the calling on our lives, I believe the harder and the more difficult the process that God takes us through. Our greatest enemy, as I've mentioned, is pride. The essence of pride, remember this, is self-reliance and self-confidence. That's the essence of pride. It is trusting in ourselves rather than trusting in God. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 17, the prophet, or the Lord through the prophet, says in verse 5 and 6, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. You see, when we divert our trust in our own abilities, in our own wisdom, in our own cleverness, then our heart begins to depart from the Lord without even realizing it. It's us who's done it. Now, for he, this is speaking about the person who trusts in man rather than in God, for he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see good when it comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. That's what happens to the man who trusts in the flesh or trusts in man. And God has a unique way for each and every one of us in divorcing us from our self-confidence and in helping us to face our weakness and our limitations. God has a way of doing that. Paul the Apostle explains that very well in his epistle to the Corinthians. 
And I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through to 9, and verse 10 from the New Living Translation. Paul now is relating some of his experiences in the subject or the theme that we are talking about. He says, So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and to keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. And each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, in the hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see here, Paul discovered the secret of being strong in the Lord. Paul, as we've just read, wanted this thorn, the thorn in the flesh, which he says, he tells us what it was. He said it was a messenger or an angel of Satan that was sent to torture him. And he said, three times I have prayed to God and asked him to remove it. God's response to Paul's request was, my grace is sufficient for you. What was God trying to tell him? He said, Paul, learn to rely more on my grace so that you can overcome this messenger. He goes on to explain that the thorn in the flesh was hardships, troubles, persecutions, and insults he endured. You remember, wherever he went, he was persecuted. He was thrown out. He was stoned. That was the messenger of Satan. God didn't say to him, no. God pointed Paul to the grace that was given to him to rely not on his strength, but on the strength of Christ that was within him. And so, isn't this what we do very often? When we go through hardships, when we go through hard times, what do we do? The first thing we do is, Lord, I can't take this anymore. <laughs> take this trial away from me. Sometimes it's financial pressure. Other times it's marital pressures. Other times it's, it's business pressures that we go through in life. And it's severe and it's painful. And instead of praying and asking for the wisdom of God to show us how to pray, the first thing we pray is, Lord, take this away from me. I can't take it anymore. I can't endure it. Rather than relying and putting our confidence in God's grace and in God's strength in order to rise above the trial and above the challenges. Well, God wanted Paul to rely more and more on his grace in order to find the strength that he needed to overcome. And eventually Paul learned this precious and valuable lesson. And 
it will do us good if we learn this quickly. Rather than go through the same process, the same trial, the same test again and again without ever learning anything. The first thing that we should do when we go through hard times, as James says, ask God for wisdom. Because the wisdom of God will reveal to us what God's mind is, what God's plan is, and how to overcome the challenge that we might be facing. Amen? Well, when Paul learned this valuable lesson, he stopped asking God to remove the messenger. He trusted God and he began to rely more and more on the grace of the Lord. He says, For when I am weak, then I am strong. He said, When I reach the end of myself and the end of my strength through weakness, that is when I enter into Christ's strength, which enables me to do all things, even to the point of rejoicing, and in my hardships and in the insults I am enduring for the sake of Christ. What a wonderful revelation. And I pray that all of us would learn that that we would learn to rely more and more on the grace of God that He deposited within us rather than relying on our own strength and on our own abilities because we are limited. But God's grace and God's strength is unlimited. Amen? That's why the Word says, Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. Those who wait, those who trust, those who have the hope in the Lord will never get tired. Their strength will be renewed day by day. And how desperately we need to have our strength renewed in times such as these that we are living in. Difficult times, dangerous times. The Amplified Bible says that they are perilous times, hard to bear and hard to endure. A.W. Tozer said, Once I understand that everything happening to me is to make me more Christ-like, it resolves a great deal of anxiety. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that marvelous? During our own process of discipline and preparation for greatness, the scriptures encourage us to look to the Lord Jesus. Not to what goes on around us, but to look constantly and continually to the Lord Jesus. And we read that in the book of Hebrews says, Looking unto Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. 
So we need to look to the Lord. He gives us the strength. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. So the process God takes each one of us is unique and often different, very different from everyone else. Why? Because God knows us. He knows what it will take to humble us, to bring us to a place where we are divorced from our own self-reliance. He knows what we need in order to bring us to the end of our self-confidence. That is the purpose of the process. It may take long. It depends on our submission, on our willingness to obey the Lord and to learn those lessons. The scripture says that Jesus learned obedience by the things that he suffered. Remember this. Jesus became a man. He left his glory and his splendor in heaven. And he learned obedience. He didn't bring obedience with him. He learned to obey the Father by the things that he suffered. How much more we. As I look over my life, I understand perfectly why, now only, why I had to go through what I went through from a very young boy. The things that I went through from the age of 13 years of age, being uprooted from the country of my birth, being brought by my parents into a foreign land with a language I could not speak, a culture that I found so difficult to adjust as a young boy, helped to prepare me at the age of 23 for what God had in mind for me. I wonder sometimes, what if I didn't go through what I went through? Would I, would I have been broken? Would I have been humbled? Or would I have continued on my own way, rebelling against God, doing my own thing? I remember the sorrow, the pain, and the rejection I endured through other events as well brought me to a place of complete brokenness and even despair. And in my desperation, I cried out to the Lord, thank God, and He heard me, and He rescued me from my distresses. Forty-five years have come and gone since that day. What a glorious transformation I've experienced in one single night. How beautifully the psalmist describes in Psalm 107. I'm going to read you a few verses from Psalm 107. This is what, uh, as, as the psalmist relates, probably his experience. He says, He gathered them out of the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate place. They found no city to dwell in. They were hungry and thirsty, and their soul fainted in them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distresses. And He led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. 
Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Notice, they cried out to the Lord when? In their trouble. In their trouble. Very often people wait too late to call out to the Lord on the bed of sickness. And yet God hears the cry and he grants them mercy. Take a look at your own life. The unique process God has taken you through and is taking you through right now. And perhaps the Lord will give you wisdom to understand why. The word says in Romans 8.28, All things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to His purpose. As we look to the Lord and as we continue to trust Him, I believe that he will perfect and complete that which concerns each and every one of us. And the good work which the Lord began in us, the Word of God says he will. He will bring it to completion. Not maybe, not perhaps, he shall bring it to a finish and to completion. Praise God for his works for the way he deals with each and every one of us. God deals with us as a church, united, but also as individuals. And he takes us through a unique path. He takes us through a process. He takes us through many times, through difficult times, difficult days, in order to release the treasure or the greatness that he deposited within us. Amen. I want to give thanks to the Lord for this word, and I pray that it's been a blessing to you, an encouragement to you, so that you may begin to see things from God's point of view and from God's perspective rather than our own. Father, we thank you so much for your word, for your work, and for the process that you take each and every one of us. Thank you for taking us through the desert in order to teach us valuable lessons for the discipline, even the chastisement that we endure many times so that we may learn submission and obedience, so that you may divorce us from our self-reliance, from our self-confidence and pride and learn to rely and to trust you more and more. Father, guide our hearts in the path of complete surrender and trust, that we may experience your greatness, that we may release your greatness that you have placed within us, so that others may come to know you as the Savior and the Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.